Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I'll share with you what I feel in my spirit. Praise God. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Mouth. Can we lift up our hands and, and, and let's pray for the anointing of the Holy Ghost uh, to flow here tonight. Shall we, church? Uh, I come to you again this evening, God. I'm asking one more time that you will anoint my mind, my lips of clay, God, and allow me to minister to this congregation. What I feel, God, that you have given unto us for tonight. Uh, God, I am praying that you will pour out your spirit uh, in a very special way. Uh, allow us to be vessels, God, that you can feel, uh, instruments that you can use. Uh, and we are believing, God, for a great and mighty move. Uh, and we'll give you the praise, the glory, uh, and the honor that's due unto your holy uh, and precious name. Uh, let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Uh, and shout unto him uh, with a voice of triumph. Uh, hallelujah. 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 You may be seated in Jesus' name. The psalmist said, Give ear, O my people, to my law, and incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable and I will utter dark sayings of old which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from the children, from their children showing to the generation to come the praise of the Lord and his strength. I come to ask somebody here this evening, has God done anything for you? Let me ask that again. I said, has God done anything uh, for anyone in this house? Does anybody have a testimony of what God has done for you, whether it be physical or spiritual or financial? I come to ask somebody, has God ever showed up in the midst of your calamity and he worked in a mighty way? I'm going to preach a little while tonight about a God experience. 
for he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. I, I, I believe that it's a shame uh, that we keep what God has given us uh, to ourselves. Oh, folks, I've come to declare here tonight uh, that I serve a mighty, uh, mighty God uh, who has come to my rescue uh, time uh, and time again. Uh, and I can't help uh, but tell somebody uh, what he's done for me. That the generation to come might know this. I know that uh, I've only been here a couple of nights and I don't want to sound too repetitious, but uh, you're looking at one old boy who's proud to be apostolic. <laughs> that the generation to come might know them. Even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. The reason that I'm here tonight goes back several years because I've come to declare that my grandparents and my great-grandparents, there was a Brush Arbor meeting that was taking place in Moark, Arkansas. A gentleman by the name of Kilgore came preaching from Houston, Texas, and at that particular meeting, my grandparents and my great-grandparents, they prayed through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling somebody, they didn't just keep it to themselves. Oh, come on, somebody. But it's been passed from one generation to the next. Let me tell you about the God that I serve. Verse seven, that they might set their hope in, in God. Let me slow down for a moment. Anybody and everybody in this house have had experiences in your life that is forever seared in your mind. Most of my men folk here tonight can probably tell me the first vehicle you ever had. You remember, you may have wanted a Cadillac, but you wound up with Ford. Yeah. Isn't it amazing it, that most of our lady folks here, they, they've been dreaming since they're the size of this little girl over here about getting married. 
I'll try not to go there tonight. My, I, I mean, oh man, my God, we haven't revival. I now, now I don't know about you folks down here, but uh, uh, I'm a hunter. If you're not, you have a right to be wrong. It's just that simple. I mean, if you like hugging trees, I mean, that's your problem, not mine. I noticed you got this one tree out here in this field. Can we just peel the bark around it and we'll take care of that for you? Oh. And uh, in my part of the country, we, we dream of Now, now, maybe down here it's alligators. I, and, and if I was here long enough, maybe we'd get on that, I, you know. But, and I remember my very first buck. It was a spike, and he's about 12 inches tall on each side, but I was just, honest to God, tickled pink. Now, I've been blessed since, I, you know. I mean, we didn't just stay there. And, and uh, I wasn't just shooting them out of the watermelon patch either. I mean, you know. I, I, I mean, I was really hunting, brother. I mean. You know, but I, I mean, but that, that, that. I mean, that's seared in my mind, I mean. And, uh. We, 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 we've all had them experiences. And, 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 and you know, there, there's nothing like being in a, in a place where folks are patriotic. I mean, in fact, I'll say here tonight, if we got any veterans, I want to say thank you. Because Brother Shepherd's proud to be an American. I know there's a lot of things that are wrong, but I come to tell somebody I am grateful for the men and the women that have given us this freedom. There's something about if if you've been at town when maybe a local National Guard troop who has just come home from Afghanistan. Something inside of me swells up. Oh yeah. Uh, there's something about our national anthem. It moves me, Brother Boyd. It moves me to a point I can cry sometimes and, and, and other times I just stand there and all I want to do is say thank you, uh, thank you. Uh, oh, come on. <laughs> Woo. Ah. They tell me it's, it's an experience that you never forget when you're in the delivery room. Your flesh and blood shows up. 
and he begins to cry for the first time and you get to hold him. I've heard of men who were, they said non-emotional. You folks that are non-emotional, you're missing out. I don't understand them folks that are so reserved that they, they can't cry and they can't shout. And they, I, I never was a good spectator. I, I always wanted to be a participator. Uh, put me in the game, coach. Woo! I, I'm telling somebody, uh, I'm the kind of fella you want on your team. Uh, why? Uh, why? Uh, because I do it with emotion. I've heard of those that non-emotional till their first baby was born and they was hugging and kissing nurses and doctors and they was even telling their companion they loved them. (laughs) Uh, I remember just a few days ago and yet it's been a few years but me and my wife was was in Florida and uh, we were privileged to watch the spaceship Atlantis. I know that's too close for you all so you know you hear that anyway but uh, me and my wife we uh, so they gave me the she gave me the the movie camera and uh in fact, we'd went there for, I don't know, three or four days before it finally got to go up. And, uh, but that morning it did. And uh, I've got the, the movie camera. I'm going to get this. And, uh, you know, that big puff of cloud comes out. It looks like it comes up off the ground. Just, you know, I mean, it's just barely. You know what I'm talking about, man. And, uh, all of a sudden, that thing, it, it finally gets some momentum and, and it takes off like this here. And I look over and my wife is crying. We get home. We're going to watch it launch again. And Brother Shepherd evidently never pushed the record button because I was watching it as it went up. Folks, these are experiences that have happened in our life and every one of you could tell me some uh, that I could laugh with you about. Uh, But I come to tell somebody here tonight uh, there isn't anything uh, like the night uh, that God filled me with the precious gift uh, of the Holy Ghost uh, and it changed me uh, from the inside out. Uh, I come to tell somebody uh, that God uh, wants to do uh, a God experience in your life tonight. Can I get a witness? Does anybody remember? Does anybody understand what I'm preaching about? Book of Exodus, and I don't have this up. I don't want this. This is I'm just I'm going fast. Chapter two. A young man by the name of Moses was born. He was raised 
Pharaoh's household. Hadn't been for that, he, he might have been taken out. He finally arises and he has a call of God upon his life. But like us so often, we, we get a hold of the process. The promise and the call that God has for us. Moses seen an Egyptian who was mistreating one of the brethren and he killed him. Oh, yeah. Gets him covered up. The next day he comes by and he finds two Jews that are fighting. And when he looks at the one who's at fault, he says, You gonna kill me like you did? the Egyptian. So what do we find? We find that from zero to 40, he was raised in Pharaoh's house and part of the Egyptian clan. But from 40 to 80, he's running for his life. Oh yeah. We find that Moses has already decided I'm all washed up. I'll never do anything for God. But on the backside of a desert called Horab, you got to understand here tonight that Horab, it just simply means a dry place. Moses was in a dry place in his life. He felt like that God would never use him. But I'm telling somebody that God began to work in a desert. I'm telling some. I'm telling somebody, you may be in the desert, but God has a word for you tonight. Without a doubt, in those conditions and in those temperatures, he had seen other bushes that had burnt before. But the problem was, this bush was not consumed. And about probably the second or third time he looked and he seen that it wasn't consumed, he realized something was taking place. And he walked over to behold, and about that time God began to speak. Take off your shoes. Moses, take off your shoes. Because you're on holy ground. I've come to tell somebody that the last few nights we've been on some holy ground. Woo! God has been trying to get our attention to let us know that it is I who is working. I'm telling you here tonight that Moses had to have the God experience for when he walked into Pharaoh, he had to know that he'd heard from God. My God, I'm telling somebody, God is wanting to do that for you and I. Lift up your hands and love him with me, would you?
I find in Exodus chapter 14, I, I'm not going to read it, sister. I'm in a hurry. But you find that, that whenever Pharaoh finally let them go, there was something about it that when they got to the Red Sea, the sea was in front of them. Pharaoh was behind them. But when they finally had crossed over after God had worked, I want you to know they had a God experience. Folks, I come to tell you, I was reading some time ago on the internet where they said they found some chariot wheels that had been found in the Red Sea. I want to ask somebody, you got any idea where they came from? I want you to know that they had a God experience and God came to their rescue at the Red Sea. I do want to go to Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able. Why? Because they knew about the Red Sea. You ain't hearing me. They knew about the Red Sea. They knew what God had done to Pharaoh and his henchmen when they decided they's gonna take them back into bondage. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, let me tell you, we ain't gonna bend, we ain't gonna bow, and we ain't gonna burn. A person, a person with an experience is never at the mercy of someone with only an argument. Ah, I want to tell you here this afternoon, I believe it was right after I had left here last time I found myself in the state of Louisiana. I had preached one night. I went over to my trailer to clean up and I realized I had a problem. I went about three days I had this problem and I got concerned. So I finally told my wife so she could worry with me. I would preach, and I was, I'm not trying to be too graphic here, but I, I, I gotta praise my God. Brother Boyd, I was passing blood through my system. Uh, they had a doctor there in that particular church, and, and I went up to him and I said, Brother Clay, I got a problem I wanna share, and he said, well, Brother Shepherd, you know it could be this, could be that, and uh, he gave me uh, an antibiotic uh, 
called Cipra. And he said, if this don't clear it up, you've got a problem. Uh, <laughs> well, in a couple of days, I was cured. Or so I thought. I got to Kenneth Allen's in Bedford, Indiana. And it showed back up. Now, I, 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 I don't want you to think ill of me, but uh, I knew a pastor in that town whose wife is an RN. So I went and I talked to her and I said, have you got any antibiotics I could take? She said, I do. But it didn't help me. Ooh. So I called the man back in Louisiana and I said, you know, I'm evangelizing. I'll be down there in July. And I said, we got a problem and I need you to do whatever needs to be done so we can at least, you know, find out, at least scare me good, real good. Oh. But I come to declare tonight, uh, brother, brother Boyd, uh, I know about a God. Yeah. I remember one night in service, uh, my mom fell over in the seat. Uh, maybe she was having a stroke, a heart attack. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but we begin to pray. Uh, and in a moment's time, uh, God raised her up. Uh, I remember a man coming in uh, with a spider bite uh, on his foot. Uh, he came in on crutches, uh, but he left that night uh, without a crutch. Uh, he went my God, I'm telling somebody, uh, I know uh, who he is. A couple of nights before I was to go to Louisiana, I was home in my home church. I walked to the front. My brother's my pastor. I said, brother, I need a touch of God in my body. You know what, folks? They anointed, laid their hands on me, and prayed. Folks, I can't tell you that I seen lightning. I can't say that I heard thunder. I can't say that I felt any different than I did when I walked up there. Oh, but a week later, I was in the doctor's office. They began those battery of tests. Whoa. When they were all said and done, he said, we'll give you the results in a couple of days. Whoa. I come in here to tell this church that the man called me and he said, Brother Shepherd, we can't find anything. It don't matter what it was. All I know is it's not there. That's been about two or three years ago. I come to tell somebody I know a God who's a healer. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, I know. I've experienced it. My God is a healer. Let me share with you my thoughts, if I may. And I'm not throwing stones here. I've... I've thoroughly enjoyed our worship and the singing and, and the music. 
but I have been around a little and let me share with you. What is actually happening in many cases is that Holy Ghost inspired worship is being reduced to a mere imitation of a rock concert in our churches. TV show scripts are serving as a template for creating youth services and conferences. And with audacity, it is labeled cutting edge and cool. Preaching is traded for counseling. But I come to tell you that what your pastor gives you from this pulpit will do more than a psychiatrist and a counselor while you're laying on a bed. Well, somebody help me here tonight. Pastoring has changed to life coaching. But you've got to understand, your pastor is the feeder and the guide and the shepherd of this congregation. And if he preaches it, get with it. My God, I'm talking about doing what the man preaches in your hearing. And support groups are substituted for prayer. You've got to understand, you and I cannot make it without God experiences. The problem today is we go in here professional Pentecost at its best. Tremendous scheduling. Singing, we got singers that can sing as good as anybody in this world. We got musicians that can play. We don't have to take a back seat to nobody. And we got preachers who can really sermonize. But if we're not careful, we walk out without the experience that we need in our lives. You say you want to get rid of sin? Uh, then I challenge you to bring it to Calvary. You tired of the drug habit? Uh, you tired of the alcohol? Uh, you tired of the vices? Uh, I'm challenging somebody to fall on your face uh, at an altar uh, and don't leave uh, until you touch God. This is the only place that I know. The only place I know that we can walk in one thing and leave without that title anymore. I remember Kenny Hawkins coming to the altar, praying through to the Holy Ghost, bound by LSD. He looked my brother in the eye and said, Pastor, what I'm scared of tonight is the withdrawals. It was on a Saturday night, but on Sunday morning, he walked in and said, Pastor, I don't know how to explain it, but I slept like a baby last night. I've not had one withdrawal. I want to tell you what it was. It was a God experience. Can I get a witness from somebody in this house that knows what I'm talking about? 
and say, I, I can't get the world out of me. Yeah, you can. I remember them talking about, and I've seen it, folks falling in an altar. And I'm literally having to pick them up. Carry them out. Put them in a vehicle. I was in Potts Camp, Mississippi. Potts Camp, Mississippi. Those Steve Wilsons. There was a man, we, they had a prayer meeting, that, that had a prayer line that night. And there was a man that walked up there. And Brother Boyd, you've seen it. I, I've seen it on, on their faces when they say, well, you know, I've done this before. But when he got to the man of God who was preaching that night and, and had called for the prayer line, the man just simply looked at him and said, I'm not going to lay a hand on you. He said, but God's already told me, you're going to leave here changed. And about that time, the power of God hit that man and he fell in the floor. An hour later, he's still laying in the floor talking in tongues. They dismissed service, and he's and they they fixed and turned out the lights except for this one man. And, and we went over to Brother Wilson's house. We came back after we had eaten, and when we got there, the man still laying in the floor talking in tongues. We get him up. We take him out to the car. Woo! He looked his little boy in the eye and said, "You think Daddy will be all right?" He nodded his head. He said, "Call me when you get home." We got we went over to the house, and all of a sudden the phone rang. And the little boy said, he said, Pastor Wilson, he said, what happened? When we got in the house, he put his arms around mama and mama's talking in tongues. They both talking in tongues. I want to tell somebody, if you need your marriage, put back together, there is a God. My God, somebody in this house needs to understand that God is able. My cousin was raised in this great apostolic truth. As a baby, she was a premium. They did not expect her to live. By the grace of God and prayers, she made it. When she got out of high school, around 19 years old, started dating a boy who was half in, half out. That just simply means he wasn't in. The pastor took her side, tried to talk to her, tried to reason with her. But you know how it is when you're in love. And they married. A year and a half later, at the age of 21, she found out that he was sleeping with anything that would sleep with him. And she had a total nervous breakdown at the age of 21. Her mom and dad, being the parents that they were, did their best to get her all the help they could get her. They put her in an institution. You know what I'm talking about. 
when that was finally up, they went to get her. They got her in the car, started on their way home. And my aunt turned around for my cousin Regina had opened the back door and was fixing to jump out of the vehicle. And by the grace of God again, my aunt grabbed a hold of her and pulled her back into the car while my uncle got the car pulled over and stopped. I remember hearing this and me and my wife had a couple of days off from the field and I told my wife, I said, somehow I feel like we need to go to Tennessee. I've got to see my cousin. I remember walking into that kitchen that day. I had never seen anything like it, had never dealt with anything like it. One moment she could talk to you very rationally and the next moment she would begin to cry and pull her hair and just all kind of things and I sat there for a few moments and I finally looked at her when she finally came back to reality and I said, Regina, I want you to know that within myself, I can't help you. But I know a God. I took her by the hand. My wife took her by the other hand. I said, Regina, I want you to know his name is Jesus. I looked that young lady in the eye and I said, I want you to say it with me. I want you to know in a few moments, uh, we begin to say, Jesus, uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus. Uh, I want somebody to know uh, that he walked into that room. Come on, folks. Uh, I want somebody to know uh, that he walked into that room uh, and God uh, moved upon my cousin uh, and healed her uh, and made her whole. Lift up your hands and love him with me, church. Uh, Somebody lift up your hands. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's lift up our hands and wait upon the Lord in this house tonight, I remember when a pastor friend said, he said it was Monday morning. We'd had a tremendous move of God that weekend. He said, I was walking in the sanctuary, Brother Boyd, early Monday morning. When all of a sudden, on the front doors, somebody started beating on the doors. He said, I went to the door and I opened the door. And there was a beleaguered looking man standing there. And he said, Pastor, I need help.
He said, Pastor. And he turned around and he pointed to the biggest church in our city. He said, I went there first. He said, I, it, just a few moments ago, I knocked on their door and their pastor came. And he said, I told him, he said, sir, my family's falling apart. I'm an alcoholic. I've lost my job. I'm ready to end it. Can you help me? He said, that denominal pastor looked at me and said, sir, I can't help you. But if you'll go to that church right now, somebody there's help in this house <laughs> brother Boyd he said I looked that man in the eye and said sir I know a man who can he said I led him to the altar that Monday morning uh, he began to weep he began to cry uh, he repented uh, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost uh, and he said my God uh, he's made a saint uh, somebody on this Wednesday night uh, that God's in the house uh, and the reason uh, is he wants to work your troubles and your situations. Anybody need help in the house? Anybody need healing in the house? Anybody need the Holy Ghost infilling? Anybody need deliverance? Come on, church. Let's forget about time. Let's wrap our arms around Calvary. Let's let God work on our behalf. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.